My guest today was grinding out a 9 to 5 in an AE role at Salesforce when I first met him. He couldn't help noticing that the way vendors conducted demos with prospects was suboptimal and inefficient. So he decided to start his own business to develop a demo solution that brought value not just to pre-sales but sales and marketing as well. And as an ex-pre-sales guy myself, I couldn't resist. I had to talk to him. Pavel Yafcharovsky, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Tell me, Pavel, you recently led, left Salesforce to start your own business. Tell me a little bit about what prompted that. What, what, what was the idea? Where did that come from? Yeah, you know what? I mean, uh, my parents uh, asked me that a couple of times, definitely, because they, they thought and they, they rightly thought that, you know, uh, I, had, I had a great job and I, I truly did. Uh, I was, was very happy and very lucky to, to be working at Salesforce in Dublin and working in the, in the EMEA team. Um, so, you know, it, it was everything I, I, I thought about when I was making the decision to join Salesforce uh, from, from the States then. And, uh, you know, it was great. It was a lot of learning. It was, you know, a great, great mission behind it to, to actually build out the, the markets that we were working with, uh, which is the emerging markets. That's what, that's what I was focusing on. So really being on the frontier of building the business, right? So it was, it was you know, it was a great experience. And then the future was, was so bright. And it still is ahead of the company and, and the team, right? Um, but, you know, I, I did have the, the bug in me. Uh, given my previous experience, which was uh, also building a business in the States um, and kind of, you know, experiencing that and, and knowing what it feels like to, to build a business uh, and then experiencing a particular thing inside of Salesforce, spotting a particular um, opportunity or a problem, which, which, mm -hmm. which uh, together with my, with my co-founders, we kind of noticed. Uh, it kind of prompted the spark saying, okay, well, there's this, there's this thing we could do and it could actually bring value or, or, can, or can it bring value? Let's dive a little deeper. And then when you have this idea and you start you know, going a little deeper down the rabbit hole, sometimes you kind of go back and say, I, I just can't go back. I, I'm, I'm too deep in that. This is something that, that is so interesting to me and it's, it's so captivating. And, and I think the world needs it. So, I mean, I can't you know, uh, forgive myself if I don't do that. So, you know, again, lucky enough to, to do it with a, with a great team and having that opportunity in front of me, I said, okay, listen, I have to make this. It was a tough decision because again, it was a great team, great future. Uh, but then I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it and I'm, I'm very excited about what we're doing now. Yeah. Tell me about the problem in the market you spotted that you felt needed fixing. Yeah, so it's interesting. So, so let me answer with a question. So, you yourself, I mean, you obviously, you know, you you know everything about sales. So, I'm I'm I'm, I'm actually curious if you have experienced yourself uh, being on a selling side and uh, working with uh, demos on the selling mm -hmm. side of software. Mm -hmm. You did. I mean, you're, you you for sure. Yeah. You did. Well, I was a I was a pre-sales guy for a couple oh, of years. Oh, come on. So I'm talking oh. to the expert. So that's perfect. Well, no, I'm I'm. <laughs> I don't. I'm not an expert. Uh, if if my old boss could hear hear, hear this conversation, he, he could fill up the rest of it with all the reasons why uh, I did, I didn't last in that job. Um, there are certain personality traits I think you need to be really good uh, in pre-sales, which yeah. I was missing some of them. But uh, but I did it, so I, I know what it's like. Yeah. Okay. So so perfect. Well. Well. So so you know how it works. And definitely then you were on, this, on, the, on the other side, which is on the buying side. So you were seeing yep. the demos and, you know, receiving them, etc. So obviously that's how most of software companies work, B2B software companies work. Uh, you know, in order for somebody, you know, a, a buyer to, to make a decision to go into partnership with you, well, clearly they need to see what they're buying. So a demo is a very important piece. And I saw that mm. firsthand at Salesforce, saw that with other companies as well. A good demo really wins the deal, convinces the customer this is the right solution. A bad demo just, just ruins it. Uh, so mm. it's a very important part of the process. And I was, I was very surprised by seeing that as important as it is, it, the process of, of, of the demo is, 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 is pretty inefficient. At, at, at companies, it's inefficient on, on one side, on the company side, of the vendor or the seller side. We're really, we want to deliver a great demo to the customer, right? So we're spending a lot of time and a lot of resources to personalize it, to, to make sure that we show the right features, et cetera. 
But that takes really a lot of effort uh, for, for the company to do that. And if I'm thinking on the business side, this is a cost that I'm incurring before the revenue occurs, right? So it's really sunken cost that I'm doing. And it's, 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 it's you know, again, it's, it's very much not, uh, not optimized, right? And at Salesforce, we were lucky enough to have a great uh, pre-sales team like that you were on, right? And we had great professionals doing all of that. Uh, thousands of people worldwide, I think. Who are, who are awesome at their jobs, but a lot of companies, smaller companies, it's, it's the developers who are building the product or the consultants who are working with clients who are just pulled in into these side mm-hmm. projects that you know they need to deliver before the sale. And it would, it would be all right if all that effort kind of resulted in, in an amazing customer experience always, right? That would be great. But uh, in reality, we saw that a lot of times, as much effort as we're putting in, we're, we're stretched so thin that Sometimes the experience for the customer is not so great. I mean, they can wait. First, they, they have to wait to see the demo, right? Uh, and they have to wait sometimes, you know, a couple of days, sometimes a couple of weeks uh, for different reasons. And then what they're getting is, is they're getting a, a, a screen share or a video recording. Whereas what they really want, if you're buying something, you, you want to touch it. You want to make sure it's the right fit for you before you make a purchasing decision. So I'm often comparing it to like buying a car, right? Or, or I guess you like bikes, right? There yes. you go. So if you were to buy this amazing Harley, right? And if you were to walk into the, the, the bike salon and they're saying, okay, listen, so you want to buy, you want to buy a Harley and awesome. So I can tell you that in two weeks, come back to our salon. I'm going to show you a video and a couple of pictures of a bike that might look like the one you're getting, might look like the one you're getting. And then after that, we're signing the papers and you're going to get it. All right. Well, no, you want to like touch it. You want to feel, it, you want to take it for a test ride, show it to your family, friends, etc. argue with your wife a little bit about the price, all that stuff. You want to familiarize yourself with this, with the, with the solution, right? Where frankly, it's, it's not the case right now with software. And there's a lot of limitations around it. Why companies can't give these demos to, to, to the customers, right? So again, to sum up, we saw that it's inefficient on, on one side, the, cust- the the companies are trying really hard to deliver the great customer experience. They're spending a lot of time and money if they have that. And on the other side, still the customer experience is not that great. So, so it's, 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 there's friction, right? So we yeah. thought, hey, there must be a better way. And we thought of, a, we think a better way. And so far the, the market tells us it might be a good, a good idea. So that's what kind of pulls us, pull, pulled us out of the, the, the company. And are you at the stage where you're exploring that better way or have you a good idea? And how much of that idea can you talk about at this stage? No, I think, I think we're pretty, I mean, listen, it's, it's always an evolution. Uh, it's a good question. It's always an evolution. You, you can start with something, it's going to evolve. So, so what, what I'm describing now might look very different, you know, a year, five years from now, for sure. But yeah, we do have a, we do have a already an idea product that's, that's actually being built and, and it's already being, you know, tested with, with a couple of customers and companies. So this is a, a, a kind of viable solution that, that, that companies can use. Uh, that being said, again, uh, we are constantly learning from our, from our customers. Mm-hmm. And we see a lot of the, that, that's funny, we see, you know, companies selling, you know, Salesforce sales CRM, some other companies can sell manufacturing software, etc. But it's funny, you see a lot of the similarities and the challenges in the process, yet there are differences. So we're trying to learn that and, and see how we can best help the customers solve yeah. for that and deliver the best customer experience for their customers. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because I've actually worked with the pre-sales team in Salesforce. Okay. And I've worked with the sales team in Salesforce. And it's interesting to what they say about each other when it comes to demos. Yeah. They're not on the same page in terms of where they see the importance of the demo in the first place mm-hmm. and then also what they feel is important to demo. And I think that's, that's quite interesting. And I'm sure they're not alone. I'm just saying that because I know you worked in Salesforce. And uh, as I said, I have my own experience in as pre-sales being asked by sales teams to demo. And, but I think I was really too naive from a sales perspective at the time to have any sense of what I was doing. Do you mind if I share a couple of, because I really am, this is, this is a fascinating area because I, I do see a lot of salespeople run to a demo way too soon. Yeah. And they, they use it almost as an excuse to kind of 
go, qualification is hard. To, to get people to open up and really understand what they're trying to achieve is not easy. And sometimes then it can be like, okay, well, what do I do? I know, we'll fire a demo in. And so that's a problem that pre-sales people face. I know that. Uh, in that it's not qualified enough. So therefore, if it's not really well qualified, then really all I can give is a generic demo. Now, I didn't go and get a master's in technology and study all of this just so I can week in, week out, give generic demos because that gets really boring after a while. Yep. So, so that's one. I'm, by the way, I'm just throwing these out there because I, I want to get your, your take on them as well. Absolutely. And see what's within scope and what's not within scope of what you're doing currently as well. So that's one thing. I also think there's an element, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm guessing this is probably out of scope. Not probably, I'm, I'm sure it is, which is when do I use a demo? And, and I have my own, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical about it because again, I do see people rush to them. And, it's, and I, I remember in the last job I was in, was working for a small software company. We were compensated on getting the demo. Oh, interesting. Okay. If you get a demo, we'll pay out a certain amount on the demo. And so it was, it was considered the product is so good that once they see the demo, they're sold. Yeah. It's, you know, startup companies are naive that way. A lot of them, they, they kind of think because the idea is, is good, they think people are going to get it. And it's not even that people don't get it. I think you're also, you know, if you've read the Crossing the Chasm, that when you're dealing with a startup innovative solution, that there is a type of buyer who will gravitate towards that, early adopters, people who get it. But the more mainstream market are going to wait a little bit because they're more conservative. They want to see other people use it. You know, will this company be even around in five years time? Those kind of things are, are playing. And um, absolutely. So, so let me yeah. let me actually that's, that's interesting because you touched on a couple of points there. And I'll actually start with the thing with the, the one that you said that might be out of scope, but I think it's very much on point, meaning, you know, you asked, okay, when the demo, what's the role of the demo? I would first even ask, what is our definition of a demo? So what okay. is your definition of a demo uh, 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 as, as a customer, as a company? Because all demos are not created equal. So what do we see basically with, with, with uh, customers and companies in the market is that there's different modes of showing what the product does. If we, if we take it as a, as, a, as, a, as a definition of a demo, is showing what the product can do for you, Mr. Customer or Mrs. Customer, right? And we mm -hmm. have different things. We have trials, right? You have uh, product videos. You have uh, demos that your pre-sales are doing. Or maybe you have POCs, proof of concepts that you're building out for your customer, for your you know, huge opportunity down the line. All these are great and they all serve a different function. So when we're asking a question, when should the demo happen? We really have to think about which demo should happen when, for what purpose, right? Mm -hmm. And what we're really seeing is that Yes, the demo that we're typically used to thinking about, which is the you know pre-sales prepared, ideally personalized, tailored demo. Yes, that should wait a little bit because we should not invest these the, all these resources, etc., upfront because a we don't know how to personalize because we don't know the customer, and second, it's just it's just it's just a bad business decision because the customer also doesn't even know what they want, right? Mm -hmm. Still. Um, we think what we see on the other hand, this is the, this is the seller side. This is the seller talking about it, how that works. But on the other side, we have the customer who wants to buy something and going back to the Harley example, right? Well, what if you went to the Harley saloon? You've never, you, you, you know, they build bikes and that's about it. And I think at this point, a lot of the companies uh, with the way how complex technology gets a lot of the time, the buyers, that's, um, that's, that's, that's the extent they know. They, they contact Salesforce because they know they have sales in their name, right? So they want to help with their sales. But a lot of times they, they don't know the CRM, it's a marketing tool, it's an amazing customer service tool, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, but they, they need to know that. They need to know that upfront. They need to be educated about it if, if that's even the right route. And that's going to help me as a seller too because we can qualify them, right? But in order for them to know that, it's the same thing as you're going into the Harley. If you're getting into the salon, you can see the bikes. And you say, These are cool bikes that I would like to ride in, right? And mm -hmm. going even further, what if you, the first interaction, without the, the, you know, the salesperson or, or, or somebody else talking to you, 
What if you can just get into the salon and get on the bike and just ride around? I say, okay, that's interesting. That's a cool bike. Maybe it works for me. Maybe it doesn't. Because already the, the salon knows that you are a Pole and you're from uh, Dublin or from, from Ireland mm -hmm. and you like Harleys, right? So they would already kind of position it for you towards that. Now, why am I saying all that? Because, you know, like I said, these, these demos are all different. And kind of going back to what, what we're doing is noticing this, we're saying, you, Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller, do your POCs for your huge accounts, for your huge opportunities where you really have to customize the solution. Do your pre-sales demos, for sure, because, but first you need to qualify to do a discovery, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a big chunk and a lot of the customers really, what they need to see and what they're looking for is just a couple of functionalities, a simplified version that's going to tell them what this really is. What is this that you're selling? Because I don't understand. I mean, you have great marketing language on your website, but I don't understand it. And it really is to show somebody something, how it works, it's going to speak, you know, uh, you know, uh, lens about what it really is and how it can provide value. So without going into a lot of things, what we're doing, we're, we're, we're enabling companies, software companies to build these uh, packaged demos that are interactive. It feels like the real product, but it's personalized for the user. So mm -hmm. if I'm, you know, again, if I'm a sales training company and I want to buy a CRM, it's going to be personalized with my logo, with my use case, my language that I might be using, etc. It took only minutes for the for the sales team to prepare because it's very easy to do. It took minutes, or it's or it's pre-generated uh, automatically, and you can get it even on the first call. Maybe not on the call, but I can have a first call and say, "You can say, hey, listen, we're looking for a CRM or something." I say, "Great, listen, this this is uh, you know this is what need we're trying we can solve help solve uh, for you." We can discuss that a little bit later. And actually, after that half an hour call, I already have something for you. This is what it might look like. Just try it out. It's, and it shows, you know, two, three, four key features. Because at the mm -hmm. end of the day, this is what the companies are looking for. They have one, two, three, four key pain points they're trying to solve. They don't okay. need a whole, you know, solution okay. for, for everything. And if they need a whole solution, it's oftentimes the company needs a whole robust solution. But the person you're speaking to, unless they are a, you know, a very a general manager or a CEO or something like this, the person you're speaking to a lot of times is the end user that cares about, again, one, two, three, four features inside of the big, big solution. So what do you need to focus on that for them? It's showing that little piece. So, hey, listen, this is how it helps you today, you know? So uh, it's a it's a it's a long answer to the to the questions you no, asked. No, it's it's good, but I have I have a question about it yeah. because, and I'll go back to your example of the Harley demo, and here's why they're different, but underneath it there's a thread I think where they can be the same, and I'll and I'll explain. So I had this experience where I went to a bike show in Dublin, probably you know, a couple of years ago before, when, when you could go to these things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you're going around and you're looking at these beautiful bikes, not just Harleys, you know, they're just, just they're, they're beautiful machines. And I'm not kidding you, like you're looking at them. If somebody was looking at my eyes, they're dilated. My heart, you know, you, you, you could feel the, the emotional response to these things. They're, they're, a, they're a thing of beauty. And... You want to get up on it. You want to take it for a spin. And of course, the sales guy senses that. And they're offering you them. They're offering you test rides. Yeah. But here's the thing. There's not a snowball's chance in hell I will be given permission to get a second bike. Yeah. So I'm looking at these things and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to take a test ride. I'll test ride any of them, but I'm not buying any of them. Now, that's a qualification issue, right? So, it, I, I, but I'm really speaking to the emotion. Same as like if you're into watches and you pick up a watch and it's a special edition, you're, go, you're, you're, you're literally, your mouth is going to dry up a little bit. You're going to feel that emotional response. I have it with cameras. They're, they're my real fetish. I look yeah. at an old camera that tells a story and I'm, I'm really looking at it and I don't want to put it down. Now, if I'm giving a demo, and this is where I say I was too naive and I didn't really understand what I was doing at the time. I just thought it was about showing the features of the product. But if I'm conducting that, what I want to do is, is tell, tell, the, tell a story about, maybe it's about some other clients that resemble my prospect. 
and about the issues and challenges they've had and why they came and looked at this and how they overcame it. And But, but I'm using that story to speak to the issues and challenges that will resonate with my prospect. Now, the demo is, is kind of, is, is really just the excuse to have that conversation with them. So maybe the demo is like chapter markers in a book where it's kind of saying, okay, here's this particular issue and we, we resolved it. And, and, and you can kind of touch on the product a little bit to kind of back that up where you're using the demo to give evidence to the story that you're telling, that the story is real and that you're not just making it up. But that's how I would do it because it's the emotion that sells, not the feature. It's absolutely what can how can my life be easier? So how do you address that in, in where you're going with this? That it's more than just a, a automated way to demonstrate particular feature functionality. Absolutely. And this goes back to what you were saying earlier uh, about personalization, that you need to qualify you to learn about the prospect to personalize. That, that, is, that is personalization. This is telling mm -hmm. the story, right? Not showing you feature ABC, but really showing you how feature ABC fits your business today for you, Mrs. Customer, right? Mm -hmm. So with that, I mean, there, there's a couple of tricks uh, or tricks or, or things that we, we, we do. First, we, we heard that there is a reason there are salespeople uh, in organizations, and that's because they can interact. They can tell a story. They can show it in a way so they can narrate the demo. So this is what we're giving them too, right? So we can actually have a self-serve demo that's showing, you know, these personalized features. It's a personalized app, yes, mm -hmm. but it's it also includes a personalized narration. So you can you can have a personalized narration where you can type in something and say, "Hey, listen, Mrs. Customer, after our first conversation, I thought this feature would be really interesting for you because you told me about." the fact that your wife doesn't allow you to buy more bikes. Therefore, this is a special, you know, maybe a, a, a little bit of cheaper bike or a second bike for the ladies, which you, you, she can ride with you, right? So she, she would be more willing to, to spend a little bit more, right? So that's that. We're, we're working on actually adding video to that and audio. So you can have that storytelling even be more engaging. Um, because and that serves a couple of purposes. Because first, it, it sells the story and shows them how they could really, really use it. And then as a result of that, it actually engages people because we've all been there when uh, the, the slides come in and everybody just turns their coffee, turns off their camera and checks their email, right? Yep. With the way the demo actually has a strong, strong, uh, I would say, attribute to it that it's, it is actually engaging because it forces, it forces the customer or the person to interact with it and go and engage. So you can't really disengage from a demo. And if you disengage from a demo, we can try to pull you back in. And that's what we're trying to also give, you know, with certain, you know, whatever notifications, etc. And even if you don't, that's an interesting, that's a very interesting insight, which we're also giving then to the salespeople and the marketing mm. people who send them the demo. Say, hey, listen, mm -hmm. Mrs. and Mr. Customer, they were really engaged on the qualification call. They said, hey, yes, how, how, how many times have we heard this? Yes, yes, this month we're buying, you know, everything is set. So, okay, listen, great. This is something that you can try out on your own. And then, mm -hmm. you know, a week comes by and you notice that they haven't done anything with it. They haven't opened your email. They haven't checked the demo or maybe they checked it, but they only saw one page, etc. Well, how, how committed are they? And how likely is it that they actually, maybe they're, they're not just interested in you at all, or maybe they started talking to the competition and they're actually more engaged in the conversations with them. So they're, they're not spending time with you, right? Mm. So all of it, it, it's, a, it's, it's, I would say again, it's just a way of, inter it's, it's another mean of interacting and kind of mm. a little bit flipping the sales process on its head too, yeah. like you were saying. But again, going back to the definition of a demo, it's not your POC, et cetera, but flip it on its head. Engage the customer early with your product. If you're selling your product, you believe it's good, right? So personalize mm. it for the customer, how it works for, what's the story for them? Yeah. Under, let them understand that and engage with that. And also in turn, you get to learn if they're really interested, what they're interested in, how mm. cool would that be, right? If you're if you're going into the salon to buy this Harley, and you're really looking at these red bikes, mm. the blue ones are not somehow the blue ones are not interesting at all. But you're looking at the red ones. Well, as mm. a salesperson, you're looking behind you know a, a Venetian glass. So okay, this guy. Well, if I'm talking to him in five minutes, I'm going to talk about the red bikes, mm. not about the blue bikes for sure. Yeah. 
You know what would really zing for me as well, thinking about it? If, as people were firing up the demo, so to speak, that they were presented with a menu of, here are the typical reasons people, here's the typical challenges that people have when, when they look at this type of product to solve it. And you list it, you know, there's typically five ones that 80% of the market are going to have. And you can say to them, pick the priority one and then pick your second, pick the third so that we can customize it. Right? That's the excuse. But really, I mean, that feedback that they had, first of all, that they had told you, here's the top three pain points in order. Then you can go validate, well, how much did they engage with those in the demo, which validates how true and how real they are about it as well. To, to me, the demo is always an excuse to find more pain. Yeah. Because I don't think anybody cares about software products. They, you know, if, if they could take a little sugar pill that would solve their problem, you could sell them that. That nobody gets excited about that. But if you, so it's an excuse to get them to the party. Now, if I can get them there, what can I extract from them that I'm saying, if in real life I, 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 I was talking to them, what would I want to know? I think, can I use the demo as ways of getting that? And it's almost, I think, it might be easier. I'm, I'm, about this is, I'm riffing off the top of my head on this. It, I would imagine it's almost easier for them to interact with this machine interface in terms of prioritizing their issues um, than, than they might open up to a real person because maybe they feel they're giving away too much. Absolutely, and I think you're, you're absolutely right about that. And kind of speaking to the last point, A, they will be more likely to just uh, express themselves and think clearly not speaking to a salesperson because mm. let, let's face it, I mean, we, you know, if it's a sales interaction, there is some sort of a barrier usually uh, just because people are, are, you know, used to, uh, I mean, they, they, they know that the other person is trying to, to sell them something, right? Mm. But also if you're looking at it, at it from a different angle, and we see it a lot when we're talking to customers who do a lot of enterprise complex deals, that even works with that because if on the client side you have a big team a big buying team and you have, you know, a, a big boss and the, the, you know, their subordinates and the project manager and the project leader and the procurement, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of times, even they're even more hesitant to speak their mind because of these other people on the call, because it's mm. their boss, et cetera. Whereas then if you give them something that can interact with one, one-on-one safely, we see that interaction being much more free and much more open. Mm. Going back to your point, giving you more information, expressing what they mm. need, really telling you that they don't understand that feature, mm. telling you that, okay, sorry, but you're telling me this is important. I don't get it. Uh, mm. I don't know how this helps us. Right. Which mm. is very, you know, it's very important, for example, a, a, of an insight. Right. So, so that, that really, really helps there. And going back to your idea initially, it's, we're definitely thinking about that to kind of be able to personalize that on the fly. Yeah. Uh, so that the customer really can tell, uh, and really, yeah. that's really kind of how it works, you know, that, that you really point to what you're, what you're trying to do, and then the yeah. demo adjusts to, to your needs like this, uh, right? I, I'm, get, I'm getting excited about the possibilities now because I can see it as well. You could even, you could even fine-tune that further by saying, you know, what, you know when you go on Amazon and you're buying, say, a book or so, any object, and it'll mm-hmm. say, people who bought this also bought this. You, I could imagine a scenario where, where they're selecting some of the key pain points that they want this product to resolve, that if there's something that isn't, isn't established, because you don't want to give them a menu of 15 items, that's way yes. too much. But if you give them a small menu and they pick something and that you can then say, you know, people who struggle with this sometimes have an issue with that. To what extent, on, on a scale of zero, on a slider, on a zero of zero to 10, how much is that an issue? So that we can customize the demo to your requirements. And that, that insight generation, to me, would make that really, really powerful. I, I, actually, I think the, the back end of it, in terms of what it shows up, you know, we, here's what it looks like, is, is that, you know, when you go on a, on a website to configure a car, and you get to do the colors and the wheels and the stereo options. And then at the end, it shows it to you. 
To me, that end is far less important than the process you go through of selection. Mm-hmm. That's when the mouth begins to water. That's when mm-hmm. you begin to imagine, I can have this, and, and then you need to make choices because I can have that, but I don't know, I really can't yeah, go that yeah, far. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the end product just confirms it all, it just captures it, but it's the process you go through. And, and if, you, if you can capture that some way, in some intelligent way, then I think you've got something that's really, really, really valuable. But come here to me, listen, We'll bore people to death talking about products. Tell me about the process. I'm curious about what you've gone through in terms of, first of all, the scary moment. You mentioned, you know, when you had the idea that once you begin to uh, research it, it's like a fire that gets, and you can't put that fire out, right? Yeah. I get that. Talk to me then about, from that point, where, where are some of the, the process hurdles? You know, convincing other people to join you, maybe convincing people to invest, uh, give you feedback, all of that kind of thing. Talk to me a little bit about that process and what surprised you most about it. Yeah, so, so I mean, it's, 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 a very exci- it's a very exciting process, uh, I would say, every, every time you're going into this, because this is something new uh, that, that you're exploring. And, you know, I, in my case, it's, I always look at it, it should start with people, and it, it, it mm-hmm. did with that as well. So, you know, the, the really the, the, the concept for that and kind of brainstorming, okay, well, how, this is a problem. How do we solve for that? Maybe that's the way, et cetera. Really, you know, worked out with, with, with my team. So we we're just thinking about solving our, our own internal issue on, on some deal, et cetera. So then we kind of came up with that together and, and, and kind of naturally from that, it emerged. We were very lucky and I am very lucky that, that I'm working with some, some amazing people here. Um, uh, that we found this naturally found this group with, with, with whom to, to go together. And I think that's, that's, well, I think there's, there's a couple of very key things when you're starting a business. Uh, and, but the two are, the first is definitely the people you're doing it with. It, it's very hard, I think, to do it alone. Uh, there's this, and you know, it yourself, you're an entrepreneur, there's, there's so many ups and downs, but the downs are more frequent and they're deeper than the highs. Uh, so, so you need that team, even to just have a sounding board of, of some ideas, right? So, so that, and, and then, so that was the first thing. And the second is the timing, I think, in the markets. I mean, we all heard the analogy of there's, there's been a hundred Facebooks before the Facebook. It was just the right time, the right place for it to emerge, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the variables have to come into play. So I think these are the two, two key things. Obviously, you need to solve a pain point. There needs to be a market, et cetera. But, but without these two, you, you can't really succeed, I think. So, yeah, the process was really, you know, the, the team was there. Uh, we were just kind of, you know, thinking about how that, that would work. Um, then we, before making the leap, you kind of have to test the feasibility of it, right? So, and the feasibility goes into, you know, a number of things. First, can we do, is the solution even possible, right? Because I can maybe uh, come up with an idea. Oh, well, it's very sunny today in Warsaw. It annoys me. So how about we put a blanket over the sun? That might be a good idea, right? That's not going to happen. Not very feasible, right? So we got to test if, if what we're thinking about is even feasible technically. Is that going to work? Well, it turns out it is, right? Second, uh, or in parallel, is there a market for it, right? Is, mm. is there a market for it big enough that's going to sustain a, a, a business? And is that an opportunity that's exciting enough? So then we kind of test and we talk to some other companies. Hey, it turns out the, most of the software B2B companies, they, they have these challenges with these demos and the customers are also not very happy with that. Uh, mm. So it turns out that there's a market for that, right? Second, uh, third, you got to have, okay, well, h- how are we going to make it happen? And then again, mm-hmm. you need to think about the team, who's going to do it, you know, how we're going to fund it. So that's, again, you know, we're, we're, we're lucky to have some of the resources ourselves to, to kind of bootstrap it so we didn't have to go to external investors and kind of do that. Um, so, so for, but then we need to plan off, you know, exactly how much money we need for how, what period of time so that we don't run out of it because that comes back to the whole planning of the rest of the enterprise, right? We do have a responsibility of the team and I take it very seriously. I mean, anytime we have our management and board updates, you know, everybody can, can tell you like it's my number one point on, on an agenda is the people is, is. How are we with our people? How are we with our recruiting efforts? How are we with our, with our hiring, with our, you know, what's the morale like? I mean, how are people developing? That's the key thing. That's the responsibility. If you, if you hire somebody, they're joining your team, they're trusting you. So 
all that being said, the funding has to come into place, right? They need to make sure that we're in here for the long term, and we are. We just have to think about how to make it happen, right? So that, right? Then the whole plan of how we're going to go to market, because I can have the best idea, but if uh, you know, if I'm if I'm just stuck in my basement shouting about it and nobody hears about it, uh, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's gonna stay at that. So mm-hmm. think about the go to market uh, and how do we approach that. All of that really tactically resulting in, in you know, it's, it's pretty boring. It results in a couple of uh, Google Docs. And then based on that, you kind of, you know, think about, okay, that makes sense. It's logical. Uh, it's, it's actually business. And based on that, we thought, hey, listen, this is a good time. Going back to the two key things. This is a good team, a very good team. And I, mean, I would say it's, it's the best team, right? But if you're looking at it probably objectively like, like yourself, it's, it's a very good team. And it's, it's, it's the best time to do it. Uh, so so let's just do it and yeah yeah that's yeah i think it's far from a team listening. point of view it's far more important that they're consistent and can stay the stay the course absolutely than, than being technically the cleverest or the smartest oh player. yeah and just sorry but to just jump on that because it's so important what you said right it's it's whenever yeah. i mean i look at it like this and, and i think it's a great 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 way to look at it if you're entering into a business with anyone um if, if they're about to be your business partner you have to look at them. You're going to be closer with them for the next 10 years. They're going to be closer to you than your spouse, than yeah. your girlfriend, boyfriend, your family. Yeah. It's, it's a long way. It's, it's, it's a journey with a lot of ups and downs, like we said, and you're going to be mm. spending a lot of time together. So mm. is that person a, a person that you want to be working like this for the next 10 years with? All right. Mm. Mm. And, you know, uh, it's a tough question, but sometimes mm. you just have that gut feeling and you kind of see how you work together initially and, and you just know it's, it's the right fit. Yeah. I want to come to in a moment a little bit about what you've had to overcome in yourself uh, to achieve this and, and maybe where your own kind of scares and worries are, because they, they're going to be present as well. You'd be a robot if they, if they didn't exist. Before I do that, though, I had another question which popped into my head. And, and I'll forget it if I don't ask it. Uh, you can only answer with one, right? I can't, you, okay. you're, not allowed to, you're not allowed to say both. Okay. If you're selling it to, if you've got a sales director or a pre-sales director, who are you, who are you selling it to? Pre-sales. Pre-sales, all right. Yeah. So Maybe you sells- know why? Because they're, 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 closer, uh, they're closer to the problem. Um, mm. you, you know that, you talk to sales and pre-sales teams, right? Pre-sales yeah. teams, they are there in the trenches with the demos, preparing, you know, being asked mm. by the sales to do it faster and faster, and they are delivering to the customers. Mm. So if the company has a pre-sales team, yeah, we know we want to talk to them first. Yeah. Sales as well, but if I were to choose between the two, yeah. playing by the rules, it's, it's pre-sales. Because they get, I'm, I'm naturally kind of, my, my, my instinct is kind of going from the sales as in, show me the money, where is it, is... The, to me, the insights that if you can get insights from this, th- that to me, to, to the sales team, they would be incredibly valuable. Now, that said, they are. That's that's it was an unfair question. Them and 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 sharing them, that's fine too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, and I, so listen, I know the answer is both. I was just curious to know both. where your yeah, the answer is. would be both, and I would say yeah. both and more because we're also talking to marketing, we're also talking to customer success, yeah. to product teams. But if I were to pick one, one, one person, yeah. like you asked, it will be pre-sales. Just because they, yeah. it's an immediate pain point that they have. Yeah, yeah. So come back to me, because if I was to do this, because I, it's a, not many people know this, but before I started the Sander, I was involved in a small startup business. It lasted about three months. Okay. The company I was in was a, was a startup company itself. It had about 40 employees, had some Series A funding. Oh. And I was doing okay. You know, we, we were getting in front of a lot of prospects. We weren't selling very much, mm. however. And there was a couple of the technical people in the company had this idea. And they came to me and they said, look, because I was on the sales, when I say the sales team, there was two of us. <laughs> they came to me and said, look, sales department. We, we think there's a market for this. This idea now clearly was nothing to do with the company they were working for, so they were going to have to leave. And so we, we, we working in the in the existing job, we went and we got some funding, 
some government funding, and it was a what when I say funding, it was a feasibility grant. It was like forty thousand euros to go and build an early uh, prototype and that's amazing. Get feedback, and we got in front of a couple of VCs, and again got great feedback from them, and. Then I found out that one of the guys was basically spending that money on shopping and personal items. Okay. That you can imagine killed that very quickly. Yeah. And so that kind of, and, and and probably that was one of the reasons then what drove me to doing what I'm doing that I, I I just felt I needed to do something where I was only relying on myself and I wasn't working with others because I kind of was burnt a little bit by that experience. And, and there was a lot, it wasn't just even the, what felt like betrayal. There was a lot of tidying up to be done because that money had to be paid back. And, Absolutely, yeah. the, 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 and, the, and again, the mistake we made when we got opened a bank account, the bank made us all sign so that we were all individually liable for money that we spent. Okay. So this guy can go disappear while I'm left having to pay it back and I have no recourse out of that. So wow. okay. it, it, was, it, was, it was a lesson in... You have to be very careful, and, and and it's very hard to be taught that, because you think when you're starting out a business, you're looking at okay, what's the idea, and the idea was a good one. However, startup is a lot more than just the idea, and um, so that again. So when I looked and you said entrepreneur, I don't know that I'm of an entrepreneurial spirit. Like a franchise is not really something that I, an entrepreneur would gravitate towards. I when I got the. <laughs> I say I thought in the in the beginning I was buying myself a job, mm-hmm. but <laughs> forgot to tell me it's a job, but there's no money unless you go out and find it. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a strange experience. How how whenever I share that by way of just I guess asking the question as to where you're, and I get you're over that initial hump. So the people you're working with, there's no question in in that sense. But there has to be areas that maybe are unexplored yet or, yeah, it's, it's, it's a scary place. You know, I take my hats off to anybody who starts a business because you, there's, there's an excitement in the initial phase, clearly, which takes you some, some way. And then as you start to burn through money, and as he said, you, you have to go find additional money at some stage. But in order to do that, you're going to have to demonstrate you've made progress. So then you get that pressure. So there's a honeymoon period. But as that wears off, then there's pressure, pressure, pressure grows. And so I wanted to talk about that in terms of your own, I don't want to say fears, but, you know, what, what, what are you kind of, is at the back of your mind that's kind of pressing that says, that you, I know I need to pay attention to this, that isn't maybe present in an everyday sense. No, so, so listen, I mean, that's, you, you are completely right. It's, if it was, like that's a famous saying, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's, it's not. Uh, what, so there's, there's a number of things. I mean, if you're, if you're thinking about what, how a company operates, uh, you know, if you're working at a company, uh, you know, if, and you, you, you see how your team operates, imagine it's 10x that. Behind mm. every role, there's another role, there's another role, there's another process, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the fact that you have your, you know, a, a, a water cooler in the, in, in the corner of the office, somebody has a process for that. It has to work for you to have the smoothest water to drink, et cetera. Somebody has to pay for that. So when you're, when you're building a company, you really kind of notice the details. All that being said, really, that the, 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 the uncertainty is everywhere, right? So is everywhere, but I do think a couple of things help with that. And again, I have the, I have the, the, the privilege of, of already, already kind of doing that before in, in my life. Um, so I, I do have that, that on my side, but what really helps me, and it's a, it's a process. Like if I would, I were to tell you that, you know, I'm, I'm never uh, hesitant about something or not, it's, it's not true. What I'm trying to do is, is I'm always trying to remember that I can only control what I can control. Uh, there's so many variables, so many variables that just come into play and a lot of them you can't control and you have to be okay with that. You can be control, you can control your reaction, reactions to it and you can control. And I think the other big thing that you can control is your planning. Okay. So, um, 
and that really, if, if I stick to that and I'm really a stiffler about it, you can again ask, ask the team that I'm working with that everybody has, every, there has to be an agenda, there has to be a plan, weekly briefings, daily briefings, we know what's going on. So whenever something comes, uh, we can adjust, uh, we know what the, what the, what's ahead of us and we can also adjust quickly because we do it at, at, at a quick pace. So it's kind of like we're in a, this, this, you know, straw in the wind, you know, it, it, it's blowing. It's, it's always going to be blowing, but we just somehow always balance ourselves. Uh, so yeah, it is, it is stressful of course. But then if you remember that, that I put in the work to plan and I put in the work to, to, to have the great people that are much smarter than me, that are much more hardworking than me. And I work my, my ass off too. Uh, so I know I'm putting everything I can into that. Mm. And then we're trying to, and then with that team, we can adapt to that. I really trust my team. I say anything that comes our way, we can deal with that. I know that. Like, I, I, I trust that we can do that. Uh, and I will, you know, work my butt off again to, to, to make it happen. And I know my team will too. And then also knowing what's, what's ahead of us and we have a plan for that, uh, that we're all in this together. I mean, it really puts you, it, it, it makes you feel kind of secure in that and, and, and driven and, and proud about that. So yeah, small things come, uh, small and big things come, but then you're always trying to center yourself thinking, okay, well, how do I respond to that? How do I control what I can control? Uh, and, and kind of being ensured that, okay, we're doing our best at it. We have amazing people here. We're just going to make it work. There's no other way. We, we have to make it work. And that's the other approach that I really recommend. You have to make it work. Like there's no, there's no failure. If somebody, I had a couple of questions like this sometimes where, well, what if it fails? You know, you're starting a company. What if it fails? I say, it's, it's, it's not going to fail. It's not an option. We're, we're going for, it's well thought out. It's, we know what to do. We have great team. We're working on it daily and it's not going to fail. Uh, and I think that that helps me to it simplifies it uh, a little bit too. You know, there's only one one result. Yeah, but but you know as well that it might not fail. You just might run out of road. That's true. That's true. But then I think that planning comes. You have to look ahead, mm. and then I'm I'm really thankful for for my co-founders, for example. That's the mm. really the, the the you know you have to look at the team and where 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 you're getting too close to a problem or a topic somebody else is a little bit more zoomed out or has that, has that ability to zoom out and look at it more strategically and say, okay, listen, hold up. That problem really is a different problem. Or maybe it's not a problem. Or maybe that idea you have, it's a problem down the line or maybe a different idea, etc. That's why you need this team because you're right about it. That uh, something that I mentioned earlier, if you're alone in that, you can, you can get into the rabbit hole mm. and it's very tough to get out uh, from that. But then again, I'm, I'm, I'm trustful that I can just speak my mind to my team and they will, you know, we will help each other in, in some way, right? It's, it's, it's like a family here. I, I'm sure this question has come up. I'm curious. It's a very meta level question. Yeah. So you've got this product that allows people to be more efficient, more effective, more engaging with demos. How do you demo that? <laughs> Using our own product. So again, I know, it, but like that's... No, usually, again, it goes back. It goes back to uh, one of the first things that we talked about. What is a demo? There's different ways. So mm -hmm. if we need to show somebody a lightweight, personalized, engaging version to get them engaged and qualify them early, we would use our product. If we have mm -hmm. somebody a little bit more down the line in the process, and it's a you know a big enterprise prospect, and we have ten people on the other side, we will do a, a full blown demo on a demo environment, etc. If it's a prospect who, with whom we signed a, you know, a, 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 an initial agreement already to deliver this, mm. this, this software to them, we would maybe do a proof of concept for them. So it depends, but we will definitely use our product for that too. Yeah, very good. Um, what was I going to ask you? <clears throat> it was a question around, oh, I know what it was. And, and I think this, this does apply. It was this dichotomy I think that exists with demos in that to my mind the the only legitimate reason now I, I say that and I've been very black and white and I know the re, the re world is not black and white yeah is for a demo is when you've got a skeptical audience and what I mean by that is and you always use the example of Otis Otis as in the lifts the elevators 
Okay. You often see that Otis. And Otis manufacture lifts, but Otis, the inventor, it, was, it wasn't the lift he invented. It was the emergency brake for, for elevators. So up till that time in the States, skyscrapers were no more than seven stories high because any time they tried to go high with, with, with elevators where the technology was poor and they would break, plummet to the ground, people would die. There was, you can look it up, you know, there was a lot of fatalities involved in the early days. Interesting, okay. And he came along and he designed a brake so that if, if the rope broke, that it would kick in and stop the lift. Mm-hmm. And, and it was, it was in his innovation, it was only after his innovation that skyscrapers went above seven stories. So oh, if you wow. look at the skyline of New York, where I guess it would all you know, thanks to skyscrapers happened first, all because of his innovation. Wow. And, but how he demo, demoed it was at the World Trade Fair, 18-something, like 1870. I, I don't know the exact year, but it was in the 1800s. And this was a big, big trade fair in New York. And uh, what he did was he built this really massive platform, 100 feet up in the sky. And he basically told everybody, be here at this time. I'm going to cut the rope. Oh, wow. Okay. Right now, I'm sure he tested it before he did that <laughs> live. But you can imagine the drama of that yeah. because people's expectations were, or their fears were, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And yet, time, everybody and all the press, of course, gathered around and he cut the rope and, and of course, within a, you know, a meter or two, it stopped. And then wow. there was a round of applause and it was in all the newspapers and, uh, you know, the, the, the rest is history, as they say. But I thought it was a perfect example of where a demo is necessary, where you've got a skeptical audience who doubt or don't believe that what you have does what it says you're going to do and so for what you're doing i think that's that's absolutely perfect because you're bringing in you're you're, you're innovating within a, an existing space where people have a, a a way they do things and in order to get them to change that then there's they, they need the proof then they need to see it and and i think so i, I think that and and i think the markets where where people give demos for that reason is a perfect market. Um, the, the fact that people run to that, salespeople sometimes without qualification is a separate issue entirely. Yeah. I think the other demo, for example, <laughs> when I bought my, my current car, I, I, by the way, I've never, never, never test driven a car when I buy it. And I've had maybe okay. 10 of them over the years. Uh, to, here's to my mind. Look, I, I know that car works. And if it doesn't, by the way, you've given me a guarantee, you'll fix it. So, like, if you're buying a new BMW or a Volkswagen, say it, say it, whatever, you know they work. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not skeptical. So then it's maybe I want to try it out just to see how I feel about it. And as I said, I've always bought them without, without a demo. Uh, but the last one, the guy insisted in the nicest possible way. Uh, and I had the time and I said, okay, we'll go, we'll go for a test drive. And, but maybe his instinct was right because I, I really wasn't, <laughs> you laugh when I tell you this. Yeah. He asked me what the key, my, my existing car had died and I was, it, it, it failed its test and I just thought, you know what, I've had enough of it, I'm, I'm selling it. And I went out to, to local BMW dealership and, and I'm an easy sell. Like I'd, I'd previous ones I'd gone in, I'd go, I like that one, when, when it'll be ready. And, um. I said to him, I've only one criteria. He said, what's important to you in a car? I said, I've one criteria. It's got to have a great stereo. That's it. And I, want, I didn't want to buy a new one. I said, I'll buy a two-year-old car. And so he said, well, we have this six series, and we have this, and we have this. I said, do they have that Blaupunkt, whatever, stereo? The, the, no, it's a Cardin stereo. And he said, these ones do. He was only showing me. And he, was, he listened. Like, he went to the cars that only had this. And uh, he said, by the way, I have this uh, 430 outside and it has that stereo in it. We go test it. I said, well, no, if it has it, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. And, uh, but he said, let's go for a test drive. And so he put on the stereo. Yeah, that's fine. Then he turned it down and he said, okay, he says, I'm going to put it into sports mode and I'm driving. He says, put your foot down. And my back 
stuck to the seat. <laughs> and this guy went like, radio oh, anymore. That was it. Little bastard. He could see the smile on his face. He knew at that moment. <laughs> and I think there, that's another good, but I don't think that applies. I mean, this goes back to what I talked about, the, the motorbikes and things as well. I think demos where people can pick. It's the, it's the puppy dog technique. You know, once yeah, you pick yeah, up yeah. a puppy, Absolutely. you can't put it down. I think that's a good place as well, but I don't think that's where you're working. It's not in the, you, no, you don't I have the emotion. It definitely yeah. applies because it's, it's two things. First, it, 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 a lot of times people say, hey, I want a radio, right? And this is a perfect example. And they come in and you say, this is a radio and a car seat that you are really interested in. And, but by the way, there's, there's this third thing that I think you'd like, mm. right? And it very well might be this shining object that they were really, they, they, it, it's really, it's, you're giving them the toy, like the puppy. Yeah. And you say, well, it's behind the, it's, it's just behind the window, right? So we, we can make an agreement that it, it can be yours, right? So it definitely, definitely applies to that. And, but there, there's, there's, a, there's a difference in that process, just, just a note, but it, it's this whole thing that we see the demos. Why are there demos even in the first place for these, mm. these processes? It's because a lot, uh, the companies, the, the customers who are buying the software, they are not buying it. It's not their own money, right? It's really the responsibility they carry for their teams and their shareholders and stakeholders, right? That's mm. why we also see that it's, it's that's why there's so, sometimes the interactions are so um, rigid in a sense that they ask mm. about the demo upfront. They want to see it. They, they want to make sure they see all the details, etc., or they see that particular use case. But how is it going to work in my use case, right? And then the vendor has to kind of mm. make it work. And sometimes the sellers were like, oh, well, Jesus, it's just going to work. Well, no, listen, this is somebody's, it's not only their job, it's their responsibility towards the whole company, etc., right? And sometimes these are very sophisticated processes, right? That, mm. you know, companies implement for their whole company to operate. So these demos really, really serve very key, key, uh, a key role in that process mm. to, to make sure that the company makes the right decision there, right? Just a small note. Yeah, and so with that, what popped into my head a while ago was to know who you're going to sell this and not the role, we've talked about that. But in terms of, so organizations like Salesforce, for example, when it comes to pre-sales and demos, they're quite sophisticated. They have their own organization. They have their head of pre-sales, and that goes all the way up the organization. And, and, and every, every financial controller can tell you exactly how much every demonstration costs in terms of resources, etc. So there's a sophistication there. Then you go to maybe a smaller company where you might have, and this was, this was the role I played in a company. I was a pre-sales guy and there was four sales in, in a sales office near London. That, that was a very unsophisticated pre-sales setup. Yeah. As in, I didn't have a pre-sales boss. Uh, you know, the salespeople would just, I was in the same office and they would say, uh, Tuesday week, are you free? We're going to see such and such a customer and I want you to go and do the demo, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And, and so I wondered, have you figure that one out yet in terms of what type of organization you absolutely yeah so so it's i would say broadly we're looking at it's any b2b software company that sells cloud software that's that's broadly and then if we narrow down it's really divides into we're working both with directly with vendors mm -hmm. uh you know salesforce workday sap etc whoever they are uh, but also, then, well, let's just keep it like this. And then the second part is also their partners uh, who are just aiding them with selling, reselling, et cetera, et cetera. In local markets, a lot of times, so you're thinking Accenture, Deloitte, smaller consulting firms, et cetera, service providers. And then when we're looking at the size, which, which you mentioned, this really, it, it doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's just different use cases. We see mm. big companies like Salesforce, for example, can have, uh, you know, can benefit from that potentially because they can just uh, offload their pre-sales who can now focus their, you know, sophisticated skills and their master's degrees in delivering great POCs for their enterprise clients. But maybe their SMB organization can help, can, can use something like this on a more, you know, smaller customers, etc., just to be a little more efficient, right? Also, yeah. in enterprise deals, you can use that to kind of promote the solution internally at the big account. Yeah. You can give them this little piece and say, hey, listen, Mr. Customer, Mr. Champion, 
show that to your boss or something like this. It's a guided demo. It works like the real thing. It has your logo on it, etc. Shows three things that you told us that your boss would care about. There you go. We have a meeting with him. Just show him. It's five minutes, right? Yeah. A smaller company without pre-sales, even better use case for them because a lot of times they don't have these pre-sales teams. And it's the product developers, it's the project managers that have to do that or the salespeople who are not maybe very skilled at that. Or they yeah. can't uh, personalize a demo because it requires writing code. We're, yeah. we're, we're fully codeless. Everybody from an intern to a developer could do it. It's very easy. It's like editing a Word document. Yeah. So you can give it in their hands and you're, you're very you're self-sufficient as a, as a salesperson. You don't need uh, potentially your pre-sales for your first demo. Yeah. Right? So it's very, we're, we're mostly looking at if you're selling, if you're B2B and you're selling, you know, uh, cloud software, and we're particularly working with EMEA and APAC companies. Mm. Uh, and you're a vendor or, or, a, or a provider uh, or a service provider or a, or a reseller, etc. We can help you with that. And there's many cases, sales, marketing, mm. Uh, mm. you know, customer success. This can help you with onboarding. Mm. You don't have to do a session of training. You can just send everybody a guided demo and they can yeah. see how, they, how it works. So yeah. all of that, not, there's all these use cases. Yeah. I, I'm sure you thought of it. I can see a, a really strong play with OEMs, uh, I say it could be a Salesforce or an Oracle, any any company that has established presence with cloud-based software, that when they're selling through partners, one of the issues they always have is control. They're one step removed from the end customer, so they don't always have insight into what the end customer is only looking for. They they only have what the partner is telling them. But now, Absolutely. if the partner is using this. Now they have real visibility, the OEM does, of what the end customer is looking at and what they care about. That, that insight, that intelligence could be extreme. And then sharing your knowledge. Imagine that if you, could, if you could multiply the knowledge you have inside of your organization, if you have your pre-sales team mm. delivering amazing demos that are guided step by step and you know, it tells a great story, what if you mm. have, give the same demos to the partners and scale it like this, right? Mm. And get, teach them how to do these demos with the demos itself. They're, they're already made that they can just, you know, switch up a logo, maybe change the language a little bit. But you're scaling your organization so much with, with so little effort, right? So that, that is really exciting there, yeah. Listen, it's, it, sound, it sounds really fantastic. I, I, and I know you're excited. I don't blame you. I can see so many possibilities <laughs> for this. Um, and I know you're also not naive enough to know that there's a tough road ahead. There's a lot of hurdles and obstacles and just getting people to engage. That's the fun. And, yeah. You know, it is, that's, the, that's the difficult bit. And that's when uh, it can get hairy and scary. But uh, no, no doubt you're, you're built for it. And I, and I think the important bit is you have the experience of this before. So you're not naive coming into it as well. Um, you, you, you know how difficult it is. But I think you've got an amazing idea. Um, and... With, with Thank the, you. I mean, it means good, a lot. Good I really appreciate it. I think um, I might come to looking to borrow some money from you when you're when you've made your billions. <laughs> well, it depends what currency. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, tell me something now. Don't lie to me. Don't. Okay. <laughs> Has the word unicorn even come up in your internal conversations yet? Yeah, we heard about these creatures. Yeah, we're still <laughs> on the fence whether they're real or not. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're we're in in the process of research. Yeah. I mean, listen. I mean, it's uh, you know, there's there's a lot. Talk, there's a lot of talk about this, the, the startup ecosystem and kind of how it works. First and foremost, we're trying to, uh, if we're delivering value to our customers, uh, then that's number one. Then in turn, that builds a healthy business. And that's yeah. what, we're, what we're most uh, occupied with, right? Yeah. To deliver the value, then we know that the, we, if we deliver the value, the market is there, the customers are going to be able to work with us and partner with us in the long term, because then we're building this healthy business in the long term, right? Yeah. Whether that comes into, you know, whatever, it, somebody calls it the unicorn down the line or calls it a hippo or an elephant, yeah. that's, that's a secondary thing, right? Yeah. Well, uh, you know what, you know, a unicorn is only a donkey with a horn in the middle of its forehead, so. There you uh, go, I like it. In other words, a mutant donkey. <laughs> Sometimes with a pink tail. No, but Tell me, just a couple of personal questions just to, to finish things out. Um, I want you to imagine that your house is burning down, but or your apartment, wherever you live, now your your family are safe. And you've only got time to grab one object, and it can't be your phone or your, your laptop, right? Uh, 
Okay. Well, I know, I know. Every see, people go for that. I'm gonna look. You got that shit backed up. You can buy a new phone and replace it, right? But what, what would you? What one object would you kind of run back for? As long as I'm not storing my family or friends in that safe, so that mm. they're not there, uh, I would say it would probably be, it probably be my Kindle with uh, with the books, because I, th- I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I love books, and I think. Uh, they just enrich your life in so many ways. I mean, I, I, I can thank my life. I mean, my, myself being who, who I am and who I'm kind of becoming as a person. Uh, mm. It's shaped a lot of times by the books that I've read and I have to be, mm. be lucky enough to, to read. So I think this, it's this one Kindle digital reader is just worth billions of, of, of dollars in, in like experience of other people. Yeah. So now imagine go forward to the end of your life and you've built a successful company and people talk about it and somebody decides to write a book on your life story. What would you like the title to be? The title? Mm. Oh, that's a tough one. We didn't agree to these questions. (laughs) No, let me think about it. I think, um, I think it's something that you know, I, I, I like journaling, right? So I journal every day and I think it will be something that, that I use, that I like to, to, to say, um, that I like to say to myself every day, which is, it's, it's from Stoic philosophy and it's, it's, it's basically, it, it's an autobiography, right? So I would say it's, it's being a, it's, it's something around uh, being a happy man and a good man. So, hmm. you know, that's kind of what I'm striving towards. Actually, it's the other way around. First, you know, being a good person to mm. other people and myself, and then out of that comes the happiness. Yeah, and I think that was, I was going to ask you that: Can you be happy without being good? Yeah, uh, I guess I maybe being good as virtuous, but giving. Yeah. But I think that if you know, it's maybe a, not very sexy and a little bit of a long title, but something you know, being a, a being a good person and uh, and a happy person. I think that's. Well, that's what I strive for, at least, right? And yeah, um, and that's 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 that maybe will be a good summary. But I don't know. I think you should ask some, whoever else is going to be writing it because I'm not a good writer, so somebody has to yeah. do that job. Well, it, it's it's <laughs> fine. It's, it's 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 interesting. I ask everybody the same question, and it's interesting the different types of answers you get, and uh, it's it's but the the most common one are all around the caring, giving, being good. Yeah, is that's ultimately where we want to kind of leave the world in a better place than we found it for ourselves. Yeah, and everything else is kind of incidental to that. Where can people get in contact with you? I think listen, uh, LinkedIn is the best way to get in touch with me personally. I'm, uh, we can chat there. Uh, with the, the company is called uh, Demo Boost, so if you go to demoboost.com, you, you're gonna get all the information there. And I, I think uh, I really encourage anybody who's in software B two B sales to kind of think about the demo overall and with cool thing is we see this emerging field it's called like demo experience uh where we see the demos kind of influencing the process a lot more and there uh, we i mean full transparency we just got invited to that but i think it would be really cool for people to kind of attend that there, there's a very cool conference happening in the fall it's it's uh, in mm-hmm. october uh it is the first kind of global summit for for uh, demo experience so it's going to be sales pre-sales etc talking about and, and buyers talking about how can we make it better together. So it might be a cool thing. It's, it's demo experience summit.com and you know, it would be cool to see you there as well. Uh, and yeah, but just, just give me a shout. And if I can help you anyhow, uh, myself, I'm happy to do that. I'll put those links as well in the show notes as awesome. we'll do that. Pavel, thank you very much. Appreciate your time today.